This is CBS News Bay Area with Juliet Goodrich. And good evening. Tonight we are getting more information about that deadly avalanche at a popular Tahoe ski resort. And we're getting a glimpse into the frantic rescue efforts that happened just moments after. So this happened at 9.30 this morning at Palisades Tahoe on the northwestern side of the lake. It was on an expert run. That run is called KT-22, which just opened for the season today. One man died, and just in the past hour, the Placer County Sheriff confirmed that the victim is 66-year-old Kenneth Kidd, who lived both in Truckee and Point Reyes in Marin County. At least one other person was injured. Two others got caught up in the snow. And as you can see, this all happened during a winter storm that's only intensifying. The good news tonight, everyone has now been accounted for. So that is the video of people cheering after a buried skier was pulled out from the snow alive. It was only search and rescue digging and it was all hands on deck with skiers and snowboarders jumping in to help as they can. Now, among them was Jen Winkleplek, who saw the avalanche from her ski lift. Reporter Tori Apodaca has the story. The bus was like five minutes late. And five minutes earlier, I probably would have been in it. And that's the part that's freaking me out. Jen Winkleplek was on the ski lift when she saw the deadly avalanche at Palisades come rumbling down. I'm sorry, I'm crying a little because it was freaking freaky. Immediately, she and other skiers jumped into action, working with Palisades and first responders to look for those buried in the Tahoe snow. These like line formations where you're like shoulder to shoulder and everybody starts just poking the snow. Uh, you either hit rock or you hit a body. The Placer County Sheriff's Office confirmed four people total were caught, two buried, one injured, and one man dead. But it's been quite a traumatic morning. Oh <sighs> do you so, yeah. ski on these slopes? Often? I do. I'm here all the time. So my phone actually blew up because a lot of people were concerned that I was in that avalanche. The slope where they searched for the survivors had just opened for the first time this season minutes before the avalanche hit. And I was really shocked that they were gonna open KT today because I knew that the storm was coming and I was like, there's no way they're gonna open that. There's no way. Specifically, have there been avalanche mitigation efforts in that location? Uh, we've had ski patrol up there doing avalanche control assessment since Sunday. In this industry, there's risk and reward. Um, and this was unfortunately a risk and <laughs> that didn't like pay off very good. Plug counting her blessings that she's alive. I'm lucky that the bus was late because I would have been in that avalanche. But praying for the man who died and others caught in the worst of it. Anybody that was off the chair, we just all got asked to help and start probing and start trying to just find people. Palisades Tahoe closed for the day after the avalanche. There is still no word if it will reopen tomorrow. Our Kelsey Thord is heading to the resort as we speak and take a look at the treacherous conditions that she and her photographer are facing right now. This is eastbound 80 near Blue Canyon. You can see the road is covered in snow. For more now on the conditions in the Sierra, let's go now to First Alert Meteorologist Paul Hagen. Paul? Yeah, Jules, the snow continues to fly. Travel is 
strongly discouraged along both US 50 and I 80. We hope our crew is taking their time getting up there. Do you want to talk about the background of this tragedy that unfolded this morning? The factors that go into evaluating what causes an avalanche in the first place. And the first thing we look at is terrain that is more likely to lead to an avalanche to begin with. A steep slope, a 35 degree to 45 degree slope. That's a sharp downhill angle. Of course, that's what makes the KT 22 area so appealing to those expert skiers. It is a fast downhill run and it tends to accumulate a lot of snow. The wind has a lot to do with that because of the way that the snow is piled up on the downwind side of the mountain. So the snow blows in and as it kind of tops over the peaks of the ridgetops or the mountaintops. A lot of it is deposited just over the peak on the downwind side of the mountain and adds up even more snow than is already falling in the first place. And there was plenty of new snow falling throughout the day today. And not just snow, heavy, wet snow containing a lot of water and the weight of that snow becomes significant because it's falling onto a surface that has been there for a little bit, has had a chance to melt and refreeze, and that refrozen snow is more slippery. It's not is able to grab on to the new fallen snow. So the more that it piles up, the more that weight overcomes the friction and the avalanche unfolds from there. It just takes one little slip for it to start rolling downhill. And these triggers can be any number of different things. It's usually most common after significant snowfall, which continues to unfold right now, can be triggered by skiers. And this was the first day that KT-22 was open, but also snowmobiles, vibrations from construction, snow machines. If they're going to be out there kind of trying to groom the slopes nearby, that can be something that triggers an avalanche. If you're ever up there and it's an avalanche prone area, you want to watch for cracks in the surface of the snow. That means that that part of that surface snow is about to slip and fall downhill. And the snow does continue to add up as we speak. As I mentioned, we're talking still heavy snow falling along I-80 especially. That's going to creep down towards US 50, but there's even been some thunder snow along the rain snow dividing line as you go uphill within the foothills. Around the Bay Area, we still have some lingering showers out there. Those are going to gradually wind down as we head through the rest of tonight. I'll track that with the look at Futurecast in just a few minutes. Paul, thank you. There was a similar tragedy in the Sierra back in January of 2020. One skier was killed and another was hurt in an avalanche at Alpine Meadows. It happened in an area called the Subway Run and was a place few skiers go. And stay tuned for continuing coverage of the avalanche and our weather conditions. We will have more on our 8 o'clock newscast on PIX Plus 44 Cable 12. Now to Sonoma County, where residents say they are going crazy because of the constant sound of this. Neighbors around the Sonoma County Airport are pointing the finger at one helicopter company in particular. Our Kenny Choi heard from both sides of this growing battle. As a helicopter gets ready to lift off near the Helico Sonoma hangar, Ann Fitzgerald tries to work from home. Only a street separates her from the Sonoma County Airport. The Santa Rosa native has lived here for nearly 25 years. She understood takeoffs and landings of planes would come with the territory, but it's helicopters that have become her nightmare. It's really the, the circling, the repetitiveness that's so difficult. She and neighbors document yeah, every flyover. Like 1048, 1056, 1110. They're trying to find a way to ground the flights. Fitzgerald says it's hard to step outside her home. I can't, you can't hear yourself think sometimes when this kind of noise is going on. Some of her neighbors have been more vocal and vulgar. Dang. 
away from my house. You disrespectful Alex Sprick is the owner of Helico Sonoma, which continues to expand its flight school after COVID dwindled it to two employees. I mean, as you can see from the voicemail, I feel like I'm being harassed. I've had people come into my office, you know, um, and berate me. Sprick grew up in the area, learned to fly at 21 years old, and started his small business a few years later. As his company grew, Helico secured contracts to execute water drops, assist the sheriff's office, and more. I'm one of our pilots that goes out and flies, you know, for the Forest Service and for CAL FIRE uh, to conduct firefighting operations. Sprick is training future operators after performing water drops for the first time during the Caldor fire in 2021. It's important to have flight schools to be able to produce pilots that go on to fly for law enforcement, EMS, firefighting. Fitzgerald sees that value, but believes most of the recreational training can be done far away from the airport. To address complaints, Sprick has tried to alter flight patterns. But what happens is if we make a wide pattern and we try to avoid the neighborhood, then it just creates noise complaints farther out to the west. Fitzgerald understands there may be no legal recourse, but is hoping for some kind of resolution. It's noise pollution. I mean, over time, you start to hear whirring in your ears. It's a battle that has escalated without signs of sputtering out. We contacted the airport's general manager who issued a statement saying all aircraft operations fall under the jurisdiction of the FAA, saying, quote, it is the FAA's sole responsibility to develop air traffic rules, assign the use of airspace and control air traffic. Additionally, under the FAA requirements, the airport is not able to block or unreasonably restrict aeronautical operations at the airport.